Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. So if you guys have your Bible, we're going to get right into it. I would love it if you could open up to Luke 17, 11 through 19. Okay. Are you ready? Oh, you guys, you guys are vibing. I love it. You can stay till I read the passage and then I'll let you go. Because I like the vibes. It's good. It's good. (laughs) All right, here we go. Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through, this is Jesus. He passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him 10 men who were lepers who stood far off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. Everyone needs to say right now, as they went. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, were there not 10 cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. The title of my message today is As They Went. So fun. Thank you, worship team. I love it. You guys can come back in a little bit. Okay. So I really felt tonight that I had a mandate and a mission. So I am going to do my best to get through this. And I hope you guys can just lean in and come with me. And uh, we'll get there. So... Highlighting this passage, um, I want to talk about leprosy before I get too deep into my points. So leprosy in the Old Testament was like a really big deal. It's a horrible, contagious, flesh-eating disease. It was kind of a mark of shame. People thought that if you had leprosy, well, surely you were a sinner. You were being judged by God. There were all these um, laws and legalities around it. Uh, Lepers could not be in with everyone else. They had to live outside the camp in isolation. If they approached other people, they had to shout out before they got near, unclean, unclean. So it's like this horrible mark of shame, right? And symbolically, a lot of things in the Old Testament, you can read them as symbols for present day life. So, So whereas we might not have as much actual leprosy, we know now it's a disease and there's bacteria and all this stuff. It's a symbol of what I would say today could be just about any and every affliction. Anything that you could be dealing with, sin or not sin. Um... So beyond sin, because people like to use leprosy as such a metaphor for sin, beyond that, I was looking at it and I was feeling like, no, there's so much more here. This is a picture of physical ailments, obviously, disease, sickness, repetitive infirmities, health, uh, weight issues, eating disorders, you know, but thank God that we have promises for every ailment. And the one for that is, by his stripes, we are healed, right? Right? 
And then there's afflictions like spiritual bondage, soul ties, unforgiveness, bitterness. But thank God, forgive and we will be forgiven, right? And then there's emotional pain, fear, disappointment, grief, heartache. But God says he bottles our tears. And then there's mental health issues, depression, anxiety. But we have the mind of Christ. And then there's sin, there's addictions, there's shame. But God says he is the propitiation for our sin. That means atonement. And that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to cleanse us. So if we look at that and we're left unto ourselves, right, without the victory of the cross, we're all lepers in this life. We've all got something. And, you know, it's, it's there. <laughs> um, so thank God for his fatherly love that he sent Jesus, that Jesus became a man and stepped into our world and split time in half and, and came to bring salvation to all of mankind. That if we just believe on him and we declare it with our mouth that we will be saved. There's no works involved. There's nothing that we have to do to work ourselves up. We just have to believe and receive, right? So thank God for his victory. We've been given this undeserved victory. I would love it if you would say that with me, undeserved victory. Yeah, we did not deserve it. The problem then that I want to talk about is that what happens when we live under what he has given us victory over, right? So if we don't exercise the victory, we lose access to the victory. I'm gonna say that again. If we don't exercise the victory, we lose access to the victory. It's there on the table, but are we gonna pick it up and apply it to our life? That we are meant to reign like kings and queens in this life, but we have to walk it out, right? So a lot of times we might, you would say, disqualify ourselves. Maybe we feel trapped in sin. Maybe we feel a victim of our circumstances. Maybe we feel like uh, we just don't have what it takes. Sometimes I think we're a lot like Gideon. Does anybody know the story of Gideon? Can you all raise your hands if you heard of Gideon? Okay, so the angel of the Lord comes to Gideon with the intent of saying like, you're gonna deliver Israel. And the angel of the Lord says, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon's like, oh, but if he's with us, then why is all this bad stuff happening? Okay? And then the Lord's like ignoring him, right? Completely. Go in this might of yours. And then Gideon's like, but how can I save Israel? I'm a nobody. And then the Lord's like, I will be with you. And then Gideon again. But how will I know for sure? Can you give me a sign? <laughs> like, and on and on and on and on. So we are Gideon, okay? Just talk about it. I'm making fun of him, but it's like it's all of us, right? It's all of us. So at the base, what I really want to expose is like at the root of all the afflictions that I mentioned in the beginning are two kind of main things that jumped out at me. One is grief and the other is shame. Grief and shame. And we are gonna expose grief and shame right now. So grief is like a, a, a distress, right? A heaviness, a sorrow, a sadness. It's the product of loss, disappointment, unmet expectations, trauma, 
pain. And shame is disgrace, dishonor. That word is connected to shrinking back. Shame makes you shrink back. It's a painful feeling of humiliation or distress caused by a sudden awareness of wrongdoing. It follows the conviction of guilt. So a lot of times grief comes in based on things that happen to us and shame comes in based on things that we've done. Both have a good purpose, right, initially. They're actually meant to be indicator lights. Like you can think of your turn signals on your car. Tick, 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 tick. <laughs> They're meant to say like, hey, pause here. Process why you're feeling grief or shame. Run to God, release it. Bring things in your life back into alignment. They're purposeful. But left unchecked or ignored, that helpful intention grows into like a really insidious agenda. Because what happens is now spirits of grief and shame come in. And they have one goal, many goals, all related to one thing. <laughs> they want you to sit down. They want you to stop everything, stop your life from progressing. They wanna steal your time on earth so they can anesthetize and derail you from the plans and the purposes that God has for you so that they can then derail the plans and purposes of God in the earth. So maybe they can't steal your salvation, but they sure as heck can make you ineffective. They sure as heck can make you waste your time. Impotent, yeah. <laughs> So there's a little story in the Bible. Everybody doing good? This is a fun topic, isn't it? Okay. Note takers. I love it. There's a story in the Bible, and I, I have a confession. I love the random little throwaway stories that are literally like three sentences, and then it's like, that's it. I'm like, oh, there's so much in there, you know? So there's a little story in the Bible about Abraham's father, and the death of his son. So Genesis 11, 27 to 28, and verse 31 to 32. I'm gonna read it for us. This is the genealogy of Terah. Terah is Abraham's father. Terah begot Abram, Nahor, and Haran. This is before Abraham, or before Abram was Abraham. Okay, we got it. Haran begot Lot. That's very hard to say, and I did it. And Haran died before his father Terah in his native land. Now, it's been said, and thank God I don't know this, that the worst pain anybody can experience is losing a child, like an adult, a parent losing a child. Premature death. And Terah took his son Abram and grandson Lot, the son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, his son Abram's wife, and they went out with them from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan. And they came to Haran and dwelt there. Interesting. So his son's name was Haran, and they came to a place called Haran, and they settled. They settled. So the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. He settled in the place of his grief, and it became the death of him. I want to break this down a little further. Take that 205 years. Now, if you are anything like, you know, you're a product of Pastor Jorgen, you, you get like this, you get amped on like word meanings and, 
you know, the Hebrew and this and that. And so I'm just trying to be like my spiritual papa. <laughs> so Strong's Concordance Hebrew word number 205 is aven. And it's related to all the following words, okay? Properly, as in doing something properly. To pant, hence to exert oneself, usually in vain. To come to naught, strictly nothingness. Also, trouble, sorrow, wickedness, distress, idle, and affliction. We can make idols of our affliction because they are not processed properly. And I truly believe that Tara died with a lot of God's unfulfilled um, plans in his life. He got stuck in his pain. His pain came up to him and it said, sit down a while. Just grieve a little while. But that little while turned into 205 years and led to his death. So on that note, <laughs> with that word affliction, affliction was in that definition. And I take that as our symbolic leprosy, our collective symbolic humanity that we deal with without the atonement of Jesus, I should say prior to the atonement of Jesus. <laughs> so if we go back to our original passage, the leper scripture, Jesus says to them, go, show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that as they went, everybody say, as they went, they were cleansed. There we go. So my question for us tonight is, how do we not get stuck in this cycle of, I'll go when I'm healed, but I can't go yet because I'm not healed. How do we not get stuck in our afflictions? How do we not get stuck in leprosy? So tonight, I have five keys for you. Everybody say five. We're gonna get through them all in Jesus' name. Okay, five keys to forward motion. Okay, number one for my note takers. Okay, I feel like I need a drink. I'm going to leave you hanging. Dramatic pause. <laughs> know who's ahead of you. Know who is ahead of you, even if you don't know what's ahead of you. We have to know the heart and the nature of our God. We have to know the heart and the nature of the one calling us, right? So back to our lepers, this miracle with the 10 lepers was actually one of the very last miracles that Jesus did before he went to the cross. I think there were a few after, like uh, Lazarus and, you know, healing the, the ear, the guy that got his ear cut off. Um, so it was one of the last ones. So by this time, Jesus has this magnificent reputation that is sweeping the land. He does signs, wonders, and miracles. So these lepers are just believing Gosh, if he can do it for them, he can do it for us. And lo and behold, he's in our town. Jesus, have mercy on us. And they're crying out to him, right? They knew his reputation and they put their faith in him. So I'm going to tell you a little story. When we came to uh, Sweet Lake City, here we go. We had up to that point uh, a, a, a few years of unrest and agitation. I would say, I mean, at one point I'm like, that's it. I just want to go live in an RV and I'm going to travel the world. Like that was, I know, it's like the greatest plan ever. I was so pumped to do this, but I felt so tied down to San Diego. 
And there was so much unrest. And it was like, God, just launch us out. Like, what is, you know, what is happening? And we had lots of disappointment. We had all this stuff going on. And then, you know, stuff started happening. God started aligning things. And then I had a dream that was really like, you know, someone would say like a confirmation. Yeah, you should go to Salt Lake. But it was, no, it was actually just more of an invitation. God, it was a God dream that was an invitation. And I just was like, yeah, that's it. Done. That's it. (laughs) So again, when I say when we can be Salt Lake, that was all we had. (laughs) My dad sat us down, you know, and uh, my dad's a great dad. And he's like, now don't move out there unless you've got a job. You know, he's all adventurous. He's all for moving in Utah and mountains and all the things. And he's like, just don't go out there unless you have a job. Don't go out there unless you've got a house. I'm like, I know, dad. I know. I know. I know. This is the voice of reason. This is the voice of wisdom. Dad, I hear you. I agree 100%. And lo and behold, what did we do? Despite our best efforts, our best efforts, we did the exact opposite. We came out here. We had no job. We had no house. We had a dream. And, and three going on four kids. I was pregnant at the time when all this happened. So it was like, poor Scott. <laughs> Going to take my pregnant wife out to Salt Lake and our three kids. And wh- what's the plan, Scott? I don't know. Like, <laughs> you know, like he really was put through the ringer. So it was like, yeah, we're holding on to God for dear life. <laughs> and the great thing about God is he made the way. He still is making the way for us. I mean, it's incredible. So you've got to know who is ahead of you. He is a God that will not fail you. He will not let his children go hungry. He will not hang them out to dry. He does not tease you with great ideas and then never fulfill. He is a fulfiller of dreams. Point number two. We good? Let go of control. Let it go. Just let it go. Put it down. Everybody take your hand right now. Say, stop it. Stop it. We have to let go of our ways, our expectations, our timelines. Timelines. (laughs) So here's the thing about God. He's so fun, okay? He will show you the end goal. He will show you the dream. He will show you the vision. He will not show you the adventurous way that you get there. He just won't. This is why it said, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Our lepers in our story, they had to start their walk to the priests fully leprous. So they're crying out, Jesus, have mercy on us. And he says, go show yourselves to the priests. Nothing had changed at that point. Their skin was still jacked up. But now it's like they've got to break out, not only of, of like where they're, they've got, to, they've got to throw it all off, right? Like they're still leprous and they're like, now we're going back into camp. I guess we got to go back into camp looking like this. Well, Jesus said, okay, just go, just go, just do it, just do it. He said, do it. So they're doing it, right? They had to let go of what they thought their healing process would look like. 
And some of you here, right, you're believing for breakthroughs just like the lepers. Lepers are believing for their breakthrough, like, I know I can be healed. And some of you here are believing for great friends, but it's found by going to connect group, right? Some of you here are believing to be an evangelist, but that happens by hosting a dinner for your neighbors. Some of you are believing to be a prophet to the nations. That happens by serving in kids' church. Some of you are believing to be free of addiction. That happens by talking about your struggle with safe people, right? We have to obey the voice of the Lord even when it doesn't make sense. Even when we can't, like, we've got, okay, you said this, and I want this, I don't see this. We just have to obey. That's, this area is the faith gap. <laughs> you just got to go with the faith gap. And then talking on um, delay, right? We said timelines, and that one hit. <laughs> I know that one hits for us all the time. So I'm going to bring up Lazarus. Okay, so if you know the story about Lazarus, upon sickness, his sisters, Mary and Martha, send for Jesus, and they're like, Lazarus is sick, you've got to come quick. They knew he could do a thing. They knew that Jesus had the answer. Come quick. What does Jesus do? He stays for two more days. Two more days. Then by the time he gets there, Lazarus had been in the tomb for four days. He's really dead. So actually, on that note, I was reading that in accordance with Jewish custom, um, on the fourth day, they believe the spirit had left the body. So there was like no hope of resurrection. It ain't happening. He is dead, D-E-D, -E dead, right? Anybody, nobody caught that. Guys, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start a spelling class for us later because you all didn't catch that. Okay. <laughs> okay, you did. It just wasn't funny. Um, <laughs> so I wanted to share a quote that I read in a book that really hit home for me, and I just felt like it painted the beautiful picture. If healing had come on Mary and Martha's timetable, they would have seen their brother's physical resurrection but would have missed their own spiritual one. The waiting period compelled the women to give up on their ability to help. It forced them to relinquish control so that Christ would receive the greater glory. The delay ensured that Lazarus was not just dead, but he was deader than dead. So the delay, I want to put it to you, the delay you might be experiencing serves the purpose of ensuring that the old life the past life, the no longer necessary pieces of life are deader than dead, that they do not come with you into your future and into your destiny. Amen. Point number three. This is fun, guys. There's more. Point number three, remember with gratitude. For all my note takers, you can do a little subtitle, healthy processing. So all 10 lepers in our story were cleansed of leprosy, 
but only one was said to have been made well. That's interesting. So they're all cleansed, but only one was made well. You can be out of your affliction and still not be made well. Okay. We can even give a very, like, just a simple example. I mean, this can manifest in so many ways, but a simple example could be like, hey, say you experienced a car accident, and your car's jacked up, and there's insurance claims, and all the blah, 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 all the horrible things that nobody wants to deal with. And, you know, you've got, like, pain everywhere and whatever. And so you can be out of your affliction, like the claims can close, your car can get repaired, um, your, you know, like all the things get fixed, but your back still is jacked up or you still feel traumatized by the experience. So like you're out of the affliction, but you're not made well. And that's just a little picture, but that really, what that can look like can be so many different things. And I think we can all kind of relate in some aspect of our life. I'm believing God, as I'm speaking, is highlighting things to you about your own world that he actually wants to heal tonight. So you can be out of it, but not made well. It's not until you can return to praise the Lord over a thing that your heart is actually made well. The leper came back and fell on his face and praised God. And Jesus said, you've been made well. Praise made his heart well. So we have to remember things, right? But we don't look into our past to live there. We look into our past to learn. And if we cannot look into our past with gratitude and praise, it's a sign that we need another level of healthy processing. And so healthy processing happens with the Lord. It happens in community. The Bible says, James 5.16, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Healed. We can be saved between us and Jesus, but we're healed this way, us and community. And so you need people in your life. You need people to speak into your world, to help you in blind spots, to speak life over you, to lift you up when you're down, right? And from that process, we begin to be healed to where we can then give God praise and thanks for the things, not for the things, but in the things. Like I'm not thankful to God that I made a lot of crappy choices growing up, but I'm thankful to God that he saved me out of them and I can now see his hand through it all, right? So remember with gratitude and a bonus point for you here, if you notice, only the Samaritan returned. He was a foreigner. Nothing in the Bible is by accident. Only the foreigner returned. So it would appear that the others were presumably not foreigners. They were presumably children of Israel, children of the house of God. And they, for whatever reason, didn't feel the need to return and say thank you. So perhaps they were too familiar, too familiar with the miracles, the signs, and the wonders. And I felt such a caution in my spirit. Let us not be those people who grow so accustomed to the stuff that happens in the house of God 
that we lose our praise and we lose our thanks and then, and then we don't return and, and we, we just keep it all in our holy huddle. Let us not be those people. Let us be people who are overflowing with gratitude for what God is doing in our world. All right, point number four, pick up your promises. Pick them up, pick them up, pick them up. Okay, look, they did arrows. Okay, that wasn't kind of the arrows I was thinking. I was thinking arrows like bone arrows, but they're arrows, we've got arrows. So I had a dream, I had a dream right after I got home from Washington uh, where I was picking up my arrows and I was like snapping them back into the quiver on my compound bow, they snap in, you know. And um, arrows always represent declarations and prophetic promises because when you speak a thing, it goes out to, ahead of you into an unseen time. It clears the way, right? And the Bible says, exceeding great and precious promises he has given to us that we can be partakers of the divine nature. So if we wanna be these people who live this supernatural life, we have all of these promises that he has given to us. The Bible is full of them. It's full of help for mankind. His word in our mouth is just as powerful as his word in his mouth. And we have to prophesy, we have to declare a thing. And then beyond that, beyond like the, the big picture stuff, there's personal stuff. God has a book and he's written every detail about your life in it. He has good thoughts for you, a future and a hope. We have to strike the ground with the promises. There is a king in the Bible around the time of Elisha who was like running to the prophet Elisha and he's like, oh, the enemies are coming, the enemies are coming. And the prophet says, okay, grab your bow and arrow. And he's like, all right, done, got it. Open the east window, done, got it. Okay, shoot the arrow, done, got it. Then the prophet declares that the victory of the Lord, right? And then the prophet says to the king, now strike the ground. Like strike the ground. But what the king does is it's like, it's like, I don't have a pencil, but it's like one, two, three. It's like apathetic, so apathetic. And then, and then Elisha gets so fired up at him. He's like, why did you do that? Why didn't you do it like five or six times? Then you would have crushed the enemy, but now they're gonna have their way over you. You're not gonna win. And that's because of the apathy that came in. We cannot be apathetic with the prophetic promises over our life. We have to keep them. We have to replay them. We have to write them down. The Bible says we've got to keep them on, like, on, our, on our head, on our wrist, like in front, the whole point. Keep them in front of your face. Because I hate to break it to you. Prophetic promises over your life are not a wishful, kind, good thought. They are a blueprint. God has given you a blueprint. Do not just let it fall away. Pick it up. I literally, you know, like putting, throwing myself on the bus, I keep a journal of all the prophetic words and the God thoughts. And this year I'm like, I'm gonna add a table of contents. Now I can find those suckers real fast, <laughs> right? So we're, get, we're geeking out over it. You guys can do it too. Keep them on your phone. That's what normal people do. I am so not techie, so that's the problem. But it's a blueprint. Okay, so the lepers were probably like going and they're like, Jesus told us he's good. This is his word. He said it. He said it. He said, go to the priest. We're going to be healed. And they replayed it over and over and over. And that was what got them across the finish line. Last point, point number five, get up and go. The going precedes the happening. Everybody say that. The going precedes the happening. 
This is a kingdom principle. Sitting actually only feeds unbelief. Because what happens when you sit is you're like, oh, I wish God would help me. And then meanwhile, he's like, I did it all. I just need you to get up. And I wish God would help me. And why doesn't he help me? He must not love me. He must not care about me. And all these lies start coming in. They're all lies. So we've got to squash that. We've just got to get up. The victory was purchased at the cross. We just have to walk in the footsteps created for us, right? It's already done. We have to go in the way of obedience. There was a man that needed healing by the pool of Bethesda and Jesus comes up to him and he's like, do you wanna be made well? And the man's like, well, nobody puts me in the miracle water that the angel stirs. Like everybody gets in before I can get in. And Jesus is like, do you wanna be made well? <laughs> you know? And so he says, take up your mat, rise up and walk. And so the man rises up, takes his mat and he walks and he's healed. He wasn't healed until he was healed in his mind thinking like, yes, I can be healed. I'm no longer a victim. I'm a victor. There's another one where a man has a withered hand. He has a withered hand and it's like a shameful, you wanna hide it kind of a thing. And Jesus is like, stretch out your hand. So he stretches out his hand and it's healed. He did not stretch out a healed hand, people. He stretched out a jacked up hand and it became healed, right? The miracle, the breakthrough, it comes when we're in motion. It comes by faith. God can move a steering ship, but he's not gonna push a not moving dead ship. He wants to partner with your faith. He wants to see that you believe. He wants to see you get up. Ephesians 5.14 says, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So sitting and waiting is this place of death, like Tara, but life and light and understanding, it all comes as we rise up, right? Jesus told the disciples, as you go, preach the kingdom, is at hand, right? Preach, saying the kingdom is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely you have received, freely give. He said, as you go. The disciples were not professional ministers that knew how to cleanse the sick, heal the dead, you know, raise, raise the dead, heal the lepers. They're like, okay, we're just, we're gonna preach the gospel and it's gonna happen. We're just going, we're going, okay. He said to go, we're gonna go. They didn't know how it was all gonna work out. And that's how we have to walk. We have to walk. He said, go, so I'm going. I have a promise for you guys, for anybody that feels like you're stuck or disqualified. It's Hosea 110. I just read this this morning. And it shall come to the pass in the place, it shall come to pass in the place where he said um, to them, you are not my people. There it shall be said to them, you are the sons of the living God. And that's just a picture of redemption. Any area of your life where it's like it doesn't align, it doesn't look like God, or life is not flowing, or there's sin issues, addiction issues, anything that's like where you're not of God here, His promise is like, you will be children of God there. God will flow in that place. He will heal that. He will do a thing in that place. 
Joshua 1, 9 says, have I not commanded you be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That is a promise that we all need to hold on to for our entire life, that he's with us, right? He's with us no matter what. So circle back to my opening honoring of my poppy. His passing was less than two weeks ago at this point. In my head, I'm like, I should have like all this time. I am just gonna sit and grieve because he was so special to me. And it feels honestly like yesterday that he passed away. And when the invite came through to preach, the timing felt so off to me. I was just like, I was so depleted. I was feeling tired. I was so empty. I had just, it was like we were out there and it was like, go, 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 go. And um, everything in me wanted to say no. And there was absolutely no pressure. Like no one would have thought, nobody would have been any the wiser that, you know, it would be like, oh yeah, like you, you can totally not preach. But I felt the Lord stirring in me, like this little voice, like rise up, rise up. You can do it, get moving. Walk out of grief. See, here's the thing is, God knows the call he's placed on my life. He's been revealing that to me more and more lately. And it's, yeah, yeah, all right, God. I'm like, okay. And to participate in that call, I have to constantly rise to what I feel unqualified to do, constantly. But that's the thing is that I don't have to be qualified because he qualifies me. He is my source. He is my strength. He heals me. He works it out. He works it out while I'm in motion. He says to all of us, I will perfect that which concerns you. I know I just have to get on my way so I can have the same story as the 10 lepers that he worked it out as I went. And that's what he wants to do for you. You see, the call doesn't change based on our circumstances. The assignment doesn't change based on our circumstances. And all we do when we sit is we let time and life and opportunity get stolen right out from underneath us. And there are many people here and you are carrying all kinds of afflictions. I know we all are, right? We all are carrying something whether that's grief, whether that's pain, whether that's trauma, whether that's um, addiction, whether that's struggles where it's like, why can't I break through? Why is this still happening? Why am I going around and around in this? He wants to heal you. He wants to show you that adventurous, crazy, wild path that we're like, oh, right? But we have to get up. We have to get in motion. We have to move. So I really want to do, what I want to do right now is I want to have a quick moment of prayer. And then I want to do something a little crazy afterwards, if you guys will hang with me. Okay. Right. Don't put me in a box. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So I'd love to pray right now. So if you guys could all just bow your heads and close your eyes. The Bible says there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. And God is perfect love. And if you just get this picture of God covering every single area of your life, every, every part of your present, every part of your past, every part of your future, everything can be encompassed in love. 
and there's no fear and there's no part of us that can not have access to the power of God. So right now, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that your presence and your power is here, O Lord. I thank you that you are highlighting areas in people's minds right now that maybe they've been stuck in, maybe they've been held back in, maybe it's just like, you know, why is this still here? Lord, I thank you that you're highlighting it because you wanna heal it. You are so good, Father, you are so good. You bring stuff up because you wanna say, hey, I can take that. Hey, you can be on your way. Hey, that chain that you feel like you have had around your ankle, it's actually not there. Did you know that I took a sledgehammer to that when I went to the cross? That that cage that you feel like you're in, the door's been open, it's been unlocked. You can come out now, you're safe. So Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I come against every spirit of fear that has held your people captive. I bind it and I break it right now in Jesus' name. I loose every person in this room out of bondage. And I declare it is done. It was done at the cross. It is done in this moment. And right now we are drawing a line in the sand. We will not go backward. We will not retreat. The only way is forward because there is too much goodness that you have for us, God. I thank you, Lord, for the future and the hope that you give us. And right now, in Jesus' name, we are all gonna stand up and give the Lord a great shout. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already, and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.